The Nashville Christmas Bomber and the Evolution of a Conspiracy Theory. The Fedora Chronicles Special Edition for December 30th, 2020. In this extraordinary episode, Paige Elmore from Reverie True Crime joins us, Jason Cousineau, superfan Melissa from Missouri, and me, Eric Fisk, to discuss the possible motives of the Nashville Christmas Bomber, Anthony Quinn Warner. The Fedora Chronicles Dynamic Quartet discusses how conspiracy theories begin and evolve and the consequences of being a thoughtful and not a reactionary conspiracy theorist in times like these. Also, keep in mind that since this episode was recorded on Monday, December 27th, the story has developed more and there has been more speculation on Mr. Warner's motives in the media since then. The Fedora Chronicles radio show is brought to you by our patrons. Patreon.com slash Fedora Chronicles. For a mere dollar a month, you get early access to the show, show notes, behind-the-scenes action, and more. Coming soon, patrons will also be eligible for exclusive products and promotional materials. You can also support the Fedora Chronicles radio show and show off your amazing taste and style with new products from Zazzle. Zazzle.com slash Fedora Chronicles. 12.5% of each purchase goes directly into keeping this podcast on the air. The Fedora Chronicles radio show can be heard on all of your favorite podcast platforms, including iTunes, Google Podcast, Stitcher, Overcast, Spotify, Player FM, Castro, and Breaker. If our podcast isn't on your favorite platform, let us know right away and we'll pass along a special gift to you as a thank you. Our email address is fedorachronicle at gmail.com or you can reach us on Twitter at Fedora Chronicle. I figure it was a good time to hit record because we have yeah. a very special show for our listeners here on the Fedora Chronicles radio show, and I think I'm going to actually give Paige the MP3 so she could also host this on Reverie True Crime. Special guest with Jay today is the Paige Elmore of Reverie True Crime, uh, and we have done a couple of shows together already. Paige, say hello and tell us a little bit more about yourself. <laughs> Hey, it's uh, Paige, and uh, yeah, I'm from Reverie True Crime, and I love coming on Eric's show, so <laughs> I'm, I've been coming on a lot. I love it. By the way, and Paige, before I say anything else, it's always a pleasure to have you because you always bring this energy to, the, to, the sh to everything that you do, not just on my podcast, Aww. but on everybody else's. Once again, we have super fan Melissa from Missouri. Say good morning, Melissa. Good morning. It's cold in Missouri. Are you, I'm just curious. Are you gonna Are you gonna say that in spring, summer, and fall too? Oh heavens, no! It's hot in the summertime. <laughs> Eric, you've, you've been to Missouri. You know that that's not going to happen. I have, and and also as always on the Fedora Chronicles News of the Week, I have um, uh, Jason Cousineau, uh who I have known for about as long as I've known my wife. And whenever Carol and I do, whenever I do something crazy with Jay, Carol says, okay, that's fine, but I don't want you two to get married. So watch <laughs> yourselves. 
I'm closer to I'm close I'm closer to Jason than than, than my own full brother, so and I've seen him more too, so and then there was the time that we asked Carol for permission to go to Las Vegas, just the two of us. <laughs> yes, I bet she thought, oh, they're headed to the White Chapel. <laughs> uh, time to see Elvis. Exactly. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, Jay, say good morning to the good people out there. Good morning, everybody. As always, a pleasure to see you. All right. Or hear from you or... You hear me? So how does this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> it's happy to be heard by all of you people out there. So there we go. Jay and I did not record on Christmas Day or Christmas Eve like we usually record on Thursdays and Fridays because it's obviously it's Christmas and I, I, everybody wanted to take a break. But then, of course, you guys said that you wanted to record anyway, regardless of whatever day it was. So we said, why don't we record today? <laughs> And then this big, huge news item literally blew up on our faces on television. Um, without making without making light of, of what happened on Christmas, I got to ask, from your point of view, and I'm not going to prejudice in any way, shape, or form, what happened in Nashville? What do we know so far? Do you, do you want to... Do you want a timeline? Yeah, Paige, if you have a timeline, let us tell us tell us what you've heard. Okay, so at six in the morning, uh, Nashville police responded to reports of shots fired near Second Avenue and Commerce Street in the downtown area. Police said that they saw uh, a suspicious vehicle outside a nearby AT and T transmission building at six thirty two. An explosion occurred along 2nd Avenue North. Uh, the uh, this was from the Tennessean, and police said that it was linked to a recreational vehicle and appeared to be an intentional act. Um, so there was this audio being played that said, evacuate now, there is a bomb, a bomb is in this vehicle and will explode. And so you've got everybody in the town hearing this. And can you even imagine, what would you even think if you heard that? I would be freaking out. I would just gather everybody and just get the hell out of that house. Yeah. Well, at 645, the emergency crews shut down the streets and down in the downtown area, and federal agents were called to the scene. Emergency crews closed off a 10-block radius around the site of the explosion, hospitalized for unspecified injuries according to the nashville fire department one officer uh, suffered a hearing loss as a result of this explosion and then we i didn't get another update until 10 15 the fbi took over the investigation and they had not determined a motive at that point and i don't know if they even have yet so the fbi and the atf um joined the investigation and chad f wolf the acting secretary of the department of homeland security they had all been briefed and um 
a spokesperson for the ATF said, right now, it's a public safety concern to make sure everybody is accounted for and to make sure to spread the uh, wait and to make sure the spread of the fire doesn't go any further. At 1040, police were going door to door with canines in the downtown area to search nearby buildings. Authorities said there was no indication of any additional devices. Okay, so at 11, we go and Nashville's bus system suspended service and closed for precautionary measures. Then at 12.01, AT&T internet and telephone service was disrupted in the Nashville area. An AT&T spokesperson confirmed the outage was linked to the explosion. The outage led to widespread 911 issues in the Nashville area and tele- uh, telecommunications issues at Nashville International Airport, which halted uh, outbound flights. Um, 1.15 p.m., the recreational vehicle that exploded played a recorded message warning people to evacuate the area before the blast. And... Um, speaking for the police said there will wait there were announcements coming from the RV that's the extent of what we can say at this point so they weren't even letting even by 12 o'clock they weren't letting people know what was going on so at 220 investigators released a photo of the RV the Ford camper arrived at the tourist district around 122 in the morning And police asked on social media if they had seen this vehicle before or if anybody has any information about it. Then at 4.18 p.m., authorities found human remains in the vicinity of the explosion. And the identity of the remains has not been released at this point. And it is not immediately clear if the remains were connected to Friday morning's explosion. All right, we get to 450, and Nashville mayor, um, he issues a state of civil emergency in the area impacted by Friday's explosion. And in a tweet, he said the curfew, which began at 530 in the afternoon, will be in effect through Sunday at 530 that afternoon. Um, 512, uh, Nashville mayor John Cooper said at least 41 separate businesses were impacted by Friday's explosion downtown. Speaking at a news conference, Cooper said, We have gone from relief to now anger and determination and a resolve, and a resolve to build. So that's that's the only timeline that I have. Well, if that's all you could put together on short notice, I mean. No, Yeah. Yeah, and this came from uh, a news article, and I um, I can't find which one it was, but I but I did find it in an article. I also have a couple of things that I have just sent to you, you guys. Let's just also just state here for our listeners: this is literally unfolding while we're recording this episode. There are other developments that are probably going to come out after we, uh, we finish recording this episode and put it out on the, on the server. Um, Melissa, do you have anything new to add so far? Well, um, I have been searching for some of the stuff. It seems that there is some indication that he believed in the 5G uh, conspiracy theory that uh, 
coronavirus is caused by 5G along with a lot of other things. Uh, when he, when the bomb went off, it severely damaged the AT&T building. Uh, people lost uh, their mobile phone access. The 911 over several counties and into another state went down. And his father had also worked for AT&T until his death in 2011. Another kind of sketchy thing is that he and his mother had had some property dispute. He had given the house that she lived in, that they had lived in together until his father died, he had deeded it over to a woman who used to live in uh, Tennessee, but now lived in California. She was a single mother. Uh, I haven't found out how they know each other yet. Uh, her, his mother sued him because of this. Uh, it was a court battle. The woman deeded the property back over to his mother, who seems to have remarried, which might have been why he moved out of the family home to begin with. And then he deeded the house over that he was living in to this woman, and she didn't even know about that. She was surprised about that, but uh, we don't know why the, he deeded these properties over in the last few months. She, uh, she apparently worked in the entertainment industry in Nashville uh, at one point. Are we talking like adult entertainment and entertainment industry, or are we just like? Uh, it just says entertainment, but considering it's Nashville, I'm. Uh, she probably has some kind of music tie. She's probably, which could Careful. be anything. I mean, right. she could have been a secretary. She could have been a singer, songwriter. Uh, automatically assuming adult is is not necessarily the the first thing that could come to mind when you're saying entertainment in Nashville. Uh, one of the, li the links that I had just sent you a couple of minutes ago, this is from the AP, uh, the, the latest driver charged after truck stopped in AP, and this is updated earlier today. Um, this started, um, they started this thread, I think they started it la either last night at 9 p.m. Or the, or the day before. A sheriff's office in Tennessee says the driver of a truck that was heard playing audio at the convenience store outside of Nashville has been booked into jail on felony charges. The Rutherford County Sheriff's Office says members of a church and customers at a nearby market where the white box truck was spotted Sunday morning heard the driver playing audio, quote, similar to what was heard, unquote, before a recreational vehicle exploded in downtown Nashville on Christmas Day. Sergeant Steve Craig says deputies were called to investigate reports of the truck driver playing audio, quote, loudly, unquote, outside the market, and later learned that the man was also accused of similar actions outside a church during a service. The sheriff's office said in a statement that 33-year-old driver James Turgeon, Turgeon I, I had to like double check because that... <laughs> um, has been detained and charged with two counts of felony, filing a false report and one count of tampering with evidence. Uh, uh, officials say Turgeon received the evidence tampering charges because he, quote, damaged the speaker system wiring intentionally, unquote. The Tennessee Highway Patrol has said a robot was sent to investigate the truck and no devices were found. 
So one of the things that people are starting to speculate is that the what they they're start they're either going to call him the uh, Christmas Day bomber or the um, Nashville Christmas bomber. This Anthony Quinn Warner has been obsessed with conspiracy theories surrounding 5G. And mm-hmm. like we have said already that he believes his father died um, as a result of working for AT&T and coming in close contact. Now, if Anthony Quinn Warner is 63, how old is his dad? And how is it that his dad was still working at AT&T at, at this age? And how long ago did his father pass away? 2011 is the date that I see as his father dying. And the age was given as 78. Uh, it was unclear to me on whether he was still working at AT&T when he died. Uh, the, the wording was rather ambiguous. It, it could be or could not be. So basically, he's just mad because he lost his daddy. Yeah, but he lost his dad. Like, how, how many years was it? was it? Was that nine years ago? Yeah. Well, that's, that's what I'm saying. This is where the conspiracy theory angle really kind of falls apart is because how could his dad have died from complications from a technology that didn't exist? 5G is a year and a half old, something like that. I don't even think. How old is 5G? Well, how do you define old it's in terms of not, technology? They were because yeah. they were starting to build it out and put it into public use. I want to say about maybe two and a half, three years ago, but they were developing it a good two or three years prior to that, if not more. Is there a possibility that his dad may have known about 5G before, you know, the public is, do we know... Yeah, no, that's that's possible. If he worked for AT&T and AT&T was pushing out its 5G network around that time, then it is possible he was aware of it before other people were other than like geeks like me. Yeah, five. So. Yeah, five. According, according to this Wikipedia page. And of course, whenever I say Wikipedia, I tell you to take it with a grain of salt here. Um, 5G wasn't introduced until the public until July 2016 so that was about four and a half years ago but obviously they have been developing this um this communication system or this technology long before that i mean yeah at least three or four years before that i mean that's being generous because it's probably it's probably depending on various factors they could have been developing it you know 10 15 years prior to releasing it so yeah but jay you know you and i are more versed in this than i think that uh, than the average person um we know two things are in evident or or are in evidence when they introduce something, they've been de- they've been working on it and developing it for a very, very long time. They right. have, may have been working on this as far back as perhaps 2000 or, um, or uh, 2011 or, um, or 2010. Right. And, and again, if you, if you think of it as um, when they're developing it, they're they're building on older technology. 
Yes. They could have been theoretically, you know, depending how you define working on, they could have been had the very early stages of 3G back when they released 4G because they knew, all right, well, we've got all these hooks in it. Like the company I work at, when we're we're doing releases and updates to the product, a lot of times we're doing a release on like say version 6.5 for something that we want to have released by version 7.2. Yeah. So, so you, possible. yeah, they released 4G and now they're working on 5G as 4G is coming out. Exactly. And I just, yeah. and I just clicked a link saying that they're already working on 6G. In, oh, yeah. <laughs> so oh, they absolutely holy. are. So, so you know that when they released 4G to the public, they were already working on 5G. Right. That would be my assumption anyway, because that's how the development cycle Yeah, works. I, I think so. I want to I interject here. Mm -hmm. The G stands for generation. Right. I've been going through some of the uh, conspiracy sites who have gotten it as it's gig or it's, you know, gen generator or something. No, it's generation. Right. Uh, the, the G itself does not refer to any anything within the technology just that it's the fifth one right right this is the this is the fifth iteration of the mobile phone technology and versioning is of generations is subjective not objective so like you know you got the 0g and 1g was like the old giant brick phones that were using <laughs> analog technology back in the 1980s um, 2G is when it started going digital, and then there's versions of 2G, 3G, 4G. So, you know, when they say fifth generation, usually that denotes that there's something fundamentally changing within the technology itself. So they have an important, um, I don't know, the, there's, a, there's a change that has happened or is, is happening that is important enough for them to say this is a new generation of this technology. So, I mean, it's, it is subjective, you know, like, like <laughs> company I work for our generation, our new newest generation of our software coming out, we're calling it the, the version 10 because we've had version 10 for over version 10 has been out there for more than a year. So we're calling it version 11 now. So there's no real, it's just, there's also a perception you have to maintain with the public and telephone technology tends to go at a slower scope than like software development, for example. So. Do we, yeah. do we actually want to talk about the controversy or the conspiracy theories surrounding 5g and how, um, there hasn't really been a good job trying to educate the public on what 5g is and why there is or isn't any reason to be worried about. Um, because I'm looking at this and people have said, and, and I, I hesitate to read this. Um, a lot of people are saying that 5g is linked. Um, there's no, there's not enough scientific re, uh, evidence to support this. But people are claiming that 5G is responsible for brain cancer, infertility, autism, heart tremors, and Alzheimer's disease. Um, and how, how could a technology 
that's been out for only a few years be responsible for Alzheimer's disease, which has become a real epidemic in the past 20 or 30 years. I, I don't understand that. Yeah, um, and a lot of people think that it causes COVID as well. I was reading. There's a lot of conspiracy theories. Um, it says conspiracy theories surrounding 5G, 5G spread earlier this year, as some speculated that the technology somehow contributed to the spread and cause of the coronavirus it's it's wild well that's where conspiracy theories become really fun because logic (laughs) takes a step to the side i mean it is is it possible for wireless technology to affect our health yes it is wireless technology is a form of radiation just like electromagnetic energy that we use to see that we use to broadcast radios all of that stuff is a form of radiation we tend to think of radiation as being caustic but we as humans generate a form of radiation just by thinking you know they call them alpha waves but it's anything that radiates energy is technically radiation that those energy waves that are coming out technically radiation right just by the purest definition of the word so is it possible that a mobile phone technology that is receiving signals over that are powerful enough to travel over hundreds, if not thousands of miles to get to your phone as you're holding it up to the side of your head. Yeah, it's possible. Is it likely? Eh, Maybe, but I would be more willing to accept a conspiracy theory saying that it's causing say brain tumors than I would that it's causing Alzheimer's or um, dementia or something like that simply because we've had Alzheimer's and dementia for long before we but could it speed up the process i mean possibly i i would say it's i would say it's unlikely that it is but is it possible for it to do that yeah i would say it's possible because of the nature of the technology um but things like you know causing a temporary lung ailment like covid yeah no. Yeah, I don't. I don't believe that either. And I know they. There are some conspiracy theorists in my family that swore that, well, we didn't have this issue until five G became a thing. Now we're dealing with coronavirus, and I'm like, y'all, let's reel it back in just a little bit. I love a conspiracy <laughs> nope. as much as the next person, but come on, come on. <laughs> I I want I I do want to interject here. We've been expecting a pandemic for a long time and have not been preparing for it. So, I mean, COVID happening is was just, I think was going to be eventual. If it wasn't this, Mm -hmm. it was going to be something else. The way we travel, uh, the way that we've not kept on top of things, the way that we have misused antibiotics. So now we have antibiotic resistant diseases. that, that part is, I, I want to put that in there. But also, too, I think one of the reasons that the conspiracy theories uh, about this causing COVID is also because we have allowed pretty sketchy advancements in technology within our society throughout the last 200 years. And, you know, we, we look back and go, oh, my gosh. We were having x-ray machines in 
shoe stores and letting 18-year-olds x-ray people's feet without any kind of shielding. And people would go and, you know, it's like it was just one of the standard things. Yep. In the, clear up into the 50s, you'd go in and get your feet x-rayed so that your shoes, you made sure your shoes fit right. Uh, the radium girls were putting radium on watches so that they would glow in the dark and they were putting those paintbrushes in their mouths to twirl them to get the the points of the paintbrushes fine and then they lost their jaws. Uh, in the clear up in oh, the fifties wow. they yeah. still I didn't had, know this. Still in the nineteen fifties, they had uranium in the home science kits for kids in the UK. Or maybe it was the I United mean, States. One country a- had it, the other one didn't. But I mean we would get all excited about something and then we would put it out there and then later on we would go, Ooh, we should have like done a little bit more research before we got all excited. Yeah. So I mean, I don't think that five G is causing coronavirus. I don't see even how that could be possible. But the fact that we have done things in the in the recent past that was short sighted with technology. Oh, you can be, you can say we were stupid with it. Oh, okay. sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and I, I think that I think that that makes people wary of things that they may not, you know, really shouldn't be that wary of in the aspects that they are frightened of. Oh, another oh. thing in the uh, Victorian era, arsenic was a real big thing because it made this beautiful green color that was very popular. So they had arsenic. In the wallpaper, they had arsenic in their clothes. They would put arsenic in ink for books. And so there you are reading a book and you're licking your finger, turning the page, you know, and then they're wondering, you know, why people were dying. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But you made a really good point, though, um, with everybody freaking out about not know. We don't know enough about 5G because people have not they have not been trying to educate us on what exactly 5G technology is. So some people are so confused, especially older people. Isn't that, isn't, isn't that just older? Cause you got to remember a lot of conspiracy theorists are actually fairly young. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. I mean, clearly people who don't understand the technology are the ones that are going to be the hardest to convince that it's okay. Especially Mm -hmm. given as Melissa pointed out, our egregious history of just playing with shit we didn't understand. Yeah. You know, and this is also why I'm skeptical. Like even at the beginning of the coronavirus, they're like, we need to do this. We need to do that. We need to do the other thing. And then two weeks later, they'd be like, all right, well, we don't need to do this. And then two weeks later, they're like, yes, we do need to do that. We were wrong about being wrong. Right. Like, the, and then like the way people like was me are complaining. Yeah. yeah. Right. And then people like me are complaining like, okay, they have no idea what they're dealing with. And then other people are like, well, this is the scientific process. You have it there and you work it. I'm like, okay, then why did you tell us we know this? Say, we believe this is how it operates. That way there we have that seed of doubt. So when you come back and say, I was wrong, we're like, oh, well, you didn't really know. You told us you just, this is based on exactly the most information you have. When I you think, use, go ahead. I think it's because people don't want experts to come out and go, we don't really know for sure. From all the evidence we've got gathered here, this is what we think is yeah. going on. Yeah. We go, oh, you're stupid. Let's have Joe Schmo down the street that's my car mechanic 
who does really good work on my car. Let's let him be head of the of the health department. You know, yeah. it, it, mm-hmm. if if our scientists do not seem to be the know-alls, then we we discount them too easily. I I I think that's a bad part of our society right now. It's it's we're canceling people out. We want them to be perfect and know everything. And when they make the least little bit of error, yeah. they're no longer valid. Yeah. And I would rather somebody say to my face, like, I do not know than I just absolutely know this. And then everything just falls apart. And you're like, well, shit, like, I can't even trust you. Like, I would rather know the truth. One of the issues that we have faced so far this year is the backlash to the episodes that we've done on the coronavirus. And Jay and I have talked a lot about the theory and we're and we admit this is a theory the lab mm-hmm. escape hypothesis we know for a fact that the viral institute or the wuhan institute of virology has been playing with coronaviruses collecting them from all over the world especially in parts of asia genetically manipulating them because their own press releases were congratulating themselves on yet another breakthrough in splicing these viruses together with other other genome parts of other viruses and the first reported case allegedly came from the wet market across the street from one of the one of the labs and the minute that you say it is i'm not saying it's absolutely completely totally positively true that this was released from a laboratory i'm saying it's a very strong possibility people who are my friends and i've known for ages have come after me for quote for buying into this conspiracy theory and and then i remind them of the conversation it's a theory and one of the people that i spoke to uh, a like um, 10 months before this breakout, I was talking to a woman who was a doctoral candidate in one of the most prestigious colleges in the United States that happens to be in Cambridge, Massachusetts. And she said the, what keeps her up at night is one of these lab leaks from one of the viruses that they're experimenting on. And she told me how her specific institution was working with companies like DARPA to weaponize the strangest things just to see if they could do it, like weaponizing rabies or weaponizing uh, um, germs and viruses that we thought were like eradicated. And she was, and at the simultaneously, while these labs are trying to become more and more profitable. And, and when more streamlined, they were like cutting corners on um, containment and that they were becoming um, lackadaisy with um, with their um, hygiene proto- protocols. And her fear was that one of these um, uh, outbreaks would come from eastern Massachusetts and somehow she might be responsible. That was her nightmare scenario. But the thing is, there are other countries, she had said, that have these institutions where things like this are happening like all the time. They're working on diseases 
that they shouldn't be playing with. And I think it's very odd and unusual that a lot of people had been talking about, we need to stop playing with these viruses. We don't know what's going to happen if they get released out in the public. Mm-hmm. And, the, and, and then um, COVID-19 has a, 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 as a, crippled the world economy. I don't think that I don't think it's a coincidence. I think that there's something there going on. And it was just like, at what point do you listen to a conspiracy theorist such as myself and say, yeah, we should look into that more and just shut down a conspiracy theorist because that sounds too crazy. Well, I think a reason a lot of these people or groups also work with diseases is to find a way to stop them. If you if we can weaponize something, so can somebody else. So we need to be able to find a way to stop whatever somebody else weaponizes before they send it to us. Right. Well, it's also like the the um, flu vaccines every year, right? So the theory that we're doing this to prevent it from happening is also predicated on the fact that they're going to develop that as a weapon. They're going to weaponize it the same way we would. So there's a bit of a flawed logic assumption that's going on from the very onset of that methodology, right? Because just because we're going to view it in a particular way of, hey, this is how this vaccine or this um, this disease could be used as a weapon doesn't mean that the person who's going to weaponize it in the end is going to think the same way because they have maybe different motivations. They, they're not looking to create a virus that's going to kill everybody. They just want to say, just to pull something out of a hat, destroy the economy, right? So whereas I do think a lot of what's going on is based on that theory that, hey, if one of these viruses were to get out, we've got to be able to combat them. It's also almost self-defeating by doing that because we have to assume that they're going to be doing it for a particular reason in order for us to be able to accurately predict it. The flu vaccine we that they really push every year is just what version of the flu they think is going to be most dangerous that particular season. They don't know. They're guessing. They have no clue. But it's, you know, there are a lot of companies out there, the one I work for included, always push, get your flu vaccine, get your flu vaccine. I never get the flu vaccine. I've seen too often where you get the flu vaccine and it doesn't do anything to prevent the flu virus that came out. So why bother having it? Yeah, I've never gotten the flu uh, vaccine for that reason. I've seen people get sicker after they've taken it than the normal flu would even make you that sick. So I was just, I've never I've never wanted to take it. I I get it every year though because I have had H one N one, and I have uh, respiratory issues. Uh, to begin with. And my father had idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis. And my dad would say that it meant that doctors were idiots. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, idiopathic means they don't know where it comes from. 
Uh, it's not something hereditary. It's not something that he caught. It just something. It, it was just something that he had. And pulmonary. It's it. His lungs eventually stopped being elastic. It was just like breathing into a paper bag. Your lungs are like balloons because your lungs will contract and shove the air out and then expand to pull the air in. And when he was breathing, it was like breathing into a paper bag. You go, paper bag fills up, but there's nothing that will contract it to force the air back out. So I had to be very careful. I, uh, I had to admit, if he had gotten the flu or pneumonia, he could have died. Okay, so you you didn't you were getting it more as a a protection for him rather than yourself. Oh, also for myself, I have respiratory issues. Yeah, but the H one N at the H one N one after I got that, uh, that was that was horrible. Because that's why it, they were pushing the masks. Is it may not stop. It, it's going to help you prevent you from getting it, but it's not super effective at protect, preventing it. However, it is very effective on preventing the spread of it from going as bad as we think it might. At least that was the excuse they used. So yeah, and that, that's the flaw is because people don't care about other people. Wearing a mask really doesn't protect you. It protects other people, and who cares about other people? Well, yeah, it makes me so mad, though, when people are not wearing their mask because I'm like, you're, it's not, okay, if you want to be selfish and just because you don't want to wear a mask, but you're not yourself, you're hurting other, and people don't care. Well, yeah, and I don't know, I struggle with it because on the one hand, I don't want to cause harm to someone else, but on the other hand, I really, really, really hate wearing a mask. I understand it's psychosomatic. I understand all that stuff that is really not impeding my my breathing in very many ways. Blah, 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 whatever. I feel like I'm suffocating when I wear a mask. So it is uncomfortable for me. As a result, I don't go out nearly as much as I used to. I will find excuses to not go out and do things that I normally would be doing. So now you're getting into how does it impact the economy and all that other happy shit. And it's, we've trashed the economy. And according to a number of things that Eric and I have looked at, there's little to no evidence to support that anything we did actually did anything productive in regards to reduction of transmission or even preventing the spread. Because the coronavirus, according to statistics, hasn't resulted in any more deaths than a flu season. And not a bad flu season, mind you. Just a flu season. So the death rate, who, who was it Johns Hopkins, Eric, that had the death rate thing? Yeah, that's they're one, of the, one of the hospitals out there that had said that um, this flu season, statistically speaking is just there's just a slight bump in in, in cases and there's a just a, sl a slight um bump in in fatalities from this flu virus and it's like but the thing is is that you could liars figure and figures can lie right and that that study yeah. now at the same time when I was doing research for one of our uh, our shows back in uh, May and June, I spoke to a virologist 
who was working at the at, at, a, at a local hospital here in New Hampshire, who again asked me not to use her name. They did. They did see a huge increase in COVID cases. There were the ICU was the ICU was overwhelmed. They had uh, all the beds in several different departments were were used for people who had respiratory problems. Um, a doctor here in the Monadnock region had told me that he had seen 182 cases in one month alone for respiratory problems. And it was just, and he reported one set of numbers to the CDC and a second set of numbers to the health department here in New Hampshire that are completely, totally contradictory. We're not, we're not getting the, um, well, the right statistics. Part of that is because the CDC dictated how they would diagnose COVID and how to report on a COVID death. Remember back in June or July, I forget what it was, Colorado actually sued the CDC because of the way they were reporting on a COVID death. They're reporting anyone that had COVID that died as a COVID death. Right. Mm -hmm. And they said, this is a miracle year. We've had no one die of heart disease. We've had no one die of car accidents. We've had no one get murdered. You know what I mean? They were basically saying, You've thrown, you're throwing off decades and decades of research by your diagnosis pattern, how you're labeling something as a cause of death. So the CDC walked it back, and then there was a big drop in the numbers, right? And all we ever hear about in the news is diagnosis of COVID. Well, it doesn't, if, if, the diag if you get a bunch of school-age children with COVID, chances are really, 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 really insanely good. They're all going to be fine and not have any lifelong issues. As you get older, you'll get people who get COVID that have, it's a life-changing disease because it causes scar tissue in the lungs, all this other kind of stuff. They don't report on that either. They just report on how many people catch it. The death rate is really, really low. What's much more dangerous is life-changing effects of having had it. And we're not hearing about that in the press. We're not, they're not reporting on that. And I think part of it is because the press thinks people are stupid, that they won't understand it. I personally think that, you know, like Melissa said earlier, there's, there's a grain of truth to that. The people in the positions of authority don't want to say, well, this is what we know, and we're not 100% sure on that because they're afraid people are going to freak out about it and be like, you guys don't know what you're talking about. Well, the re proper response to that would be, you're right, we don't. This is new. This is yeah. what happens with new shit. You don't know. Okay, so I, I get that. I understand all that. And those are all really valid reasons for doing things, politically valid reasons. I, I personally know eight people who have died of COVID. And... But how many people do you know have had it? It's a lot more than eight. Yeah. Uh, people in my family have had it. One person in my family has died of it. Uh, I can tell you, though, that those that die of it, it's a horrible death. My, like I said before mm -hmm. that my father had had idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis. That was one of the conditions that led to his death. The way these people are dying is just horrible. 
it's it's in it's intense suffering. My father my father suffered, but the suffering that he endured this is several times greater. And I know people who have now heart and lung uh, problems because of COVID. They may have some other issues because of it as well, but I we haven't discussed that. Um, it's not so much that, you know, the numbers of death are low. It's that the death is horrible. The death is, is the deaths and the treatment for people that are severely, severe, first time English speaking. Sorry. Uh, did, did you get a new tongue for Christmas? <laughs> I'm sorry. I, you know, it's okay. It's, it's bad when you're. When your first language is English and you still can't speak it. Right. (laughs) You know I have that problem. I totally get it. (laughs) Uh, But the the drain on society to take care of these people that are severely ill with this is, is very great. I mean, you're looking at the hospitals. The hospitals are jam-packed with these people that are severely ill. Maybe a smaller number are dying that equal about the same that the standard flu would cause, but the severity of the people that are suffering from this until they die or until they recover and may not recover 100%. I had even heard, I read on the news that one of the Secret Service men that are on the detail for President Trump lost a leg or part of a leg because of COVID. Because no, it that's not ruined- because of COVID. That's because of is of like comorbidity. He had another problem that was exacerbated by COVID, and this is where the lack of information that's coming out to us is really getting, frankly, kind of frustrating to me. Yeah, absolutely. We've had people lose their livelihoods. There are businesses shutting down. Hundreds of thousands of people are out of work because we're reacting to something that is bad, but is being played up as being much worse than it is. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm not saying we shouldn't wear masks or anything like that. But as much as we can, we need to have our economies running. And the other thing, too, is the federal government is painting with a broad brush when they give any advice on anything. They're talking about worst case scenario in the worst possible way because they have to, that's nature of the beast. But when you say, hey, if you live in the most densely populated city in the world, you need to do A, B, C, D, X, Y, Z in order to prevent this spread, that's not gonna apply to bumfuck Kansas, which has, you know, each person, each household has like 150 acres of farmland on average. You don't treat every, community behaves different. Every be, every community has different jeopardies for it. My problem is not that I don't think this is a horrible disease. I do. As I said, I believe that the long-term effects, the permanent life-changing damage that gets done to people who have it is more dangerous to us as a nation than the just sheer numbers of people dying. It's a horrible death. I'll grant you that. So is, depending on how you define horrible, so is dementia, right? There are a lot of horrible ways to die. But for us to be destroying ourselves, destroying our country, and a lot of bad assumptions, 
about how people can handle things. Look at what happened when South Dakota, who has a population less than one of the boroughs of New York City, said, we're opening up our thing. You know, we're opening up our economy. We're, we're releasing, releasing all of these or easing all of these social restrictions. Well, that's fine for South Dakota. They don't have the population density that New York City or L.A. or Chicago has. New York, L.A. and Chicago need to be a lot more stringent about it than, say, Montana or Idaho, where you have a lot less population density. There are different jeopardies, but we've shut down the entire nation. We've destroyed our economy because we have people in charge who either don't want to or refuse to acknowledge that we live in a very large, very diverse country, and what's good for one particular part of the country is not good for another. And they, you have to rely on the local governors. You have to rely on the individual people in each part of the country to determine, is this the most effective way for us to handle this particular thing? I also wanna... And no, they want that centralized management. I also want to interject here and ask you, what do you do when you have somebody like who, who's uh, Alfredo um, um, Cuomo on CNN? Which what's which is it? Is it is it is it Andrew or is it Chris Cuomo who's on CNN? Who was Chris. okay? Chris Cuomo was saying you got to stay home, you got to self quarantine, you don't go out, go everywhere, wear a mask. Uh, you got to stay in lockdown, stay in lockdown, stay in lockdown. And then people have video of him and a dozen or more friends drinking and laughing and, and, and having a grand old time at, at, a, at a local restaurant. And then, you know, while he was supposed to be in lockdown in his basement after catching COVID, it turns out that there's somebody who had video of him during his time in lockdown talking with somebody in his front yard face to face with one of his neighbors. I thought you were supposed to be in lockdown. And so conspiracy theorists um, such as myself, and I say that with tongue in cheek, say it can't be that serious if Chris Como has COVID, but he's out and about as if nothing's happening and nothing's wrong. And it was like shame on him for, for doing what he's doing. And people are not taking this seriously because of the, the media. Melissa yeah. has... Melissa has firsthand experience with people who have gotten sick and died from COVID or conditions related to COVID. That's something I think that we should take very, very serious. I mean, where I work, yeah. we just we fired somebody because that person was not taking the, the restrictions seriously because we handle medical supplies all day. And it was like there's there's no consistency in any of this, so it's it's catch as catch can with the facts. Also, too, when you're talking about South Dakota, which is having a uh, outbreak, according to what I'm reading in the news, and it started after they had that bike rally in Sturgis. And when you're talking about rural areas, you are talking about areas that do not have the medical facilities that larger areas have. We, the hospitals around here cannot take any more patients. That they are taking patients from my area to St. Louis and Kansas City. Small, the small hospitals can't handle them. 
The larger hospitals in the larger towns can't handle them. The cities are now saying we can't take anybody in. I mean, this is this is what we were trying to avoid at the very beginning with the hand washing and the mask and everything. It's the overrunning of the facilities where the people are now having to say, we can only take care of X amount of people. We are beyond capacity. We only have so many resources and now we've got to decide who gets them and who's just going to not. Yeah, I agree with that because I live in the a really, really, really small town in Mississippi, and that's why people don't want to wear their masks. That's why people still want to go into places um, like churches, for example. They're still going to church, not wearing their masks, and I know so many people who have died from COVID or possible COVID, you know, related, um, as Jay was saying, life has progressed something else that you have wrong. But um, like, that's another thing too, because they're labeling all these deaths as COVID instead of like maybe what COVID kind of pushed or made more aggressive and really caused the death. But um, yeah, I mean, our hospital our emergency room is so small and there's no way that it can it can handle they're having to take people from here to memphis or to jackson it's it's just really bad for for small areas and and i understand that and i i get that but the problem i have is the inconsistency of reporting yeah exactly bike rally what's that no, exactly. I think that the reason why we have discussions like this is because of the inconsistency of reporting and the inconsistency of behaviors like the Chris Cuomo's and the Dr. Felchies out there. They say one thing, but then they, they're caught doing something else in public. And it was just, which is it? I mean, yes. and it, it was, it, I mean, here in um, Ringe, New Hampshire, um, all these people who gathered for to watch the the election results here in in Ringe, New Hampshire, caused a, a a bump. We had sixteen new cases in one day, if I remember this correctly, two weeks to the day of of the election, because all these people like wanted to gather and have a party after their their favorite candidate won. And it was like yeah. somebody at that party had COVID and gave it to everybody else. And it was the worst part about COVID is that it exasperates the health problems that the infected already have. And we, we're not able to see uh, the, the numbers, the, cor- the correct numbers. And we don't even know if the, the numbers are correct. And yes. it, it's just, I also feel like I'm playing this sort of like this game of 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 trying to to take you know all sides to make sure that people aren't upset with me or us and and the rest of the the podcast because um there are some people who are like oh my god this is just a giant conspiracy they're trying to ruin the american economy at the same time we know for a fact that people are dying yeah and there's this weird balancing act that i'm trying to have or i'm trying to yeah well that's in everyday life too i mean the balancing act because I think there's 
in my family, there's 10 different people that believe 10 different things. And it's like, okay, I agree some of with what you're saying and some of what you're saying. And it's like trying to balance and trying to find the facts that are in the middle. Yeah. I, I want to inject here also too. I have people that tell me that it is their religious freedom not to wear a mask. And I can just say that there is one mm-hmm. person in the in the in the Bible that I think really matches that uh, thought pattern. That was Cain when God asked him, "Hey, uh, where's your brother Abel?" And he and Cain replied to him, "Hey, I'm not my brother's keeper." Mm-hmm. And of well, course, he had killed Cain or he killed Abel before God yeah, had asked. That's that's a moral equivalency. That's not necessarily. I mean. Just because someone in, you know, um, Pocatello, Idaho, doesn't wear a mask doesn't mean that someone in New Orleans died of COVID because of it. And again, with the inconsistent reporting, we know that the bike rally at Sturgis, you know, resulted in a massive outbreak. But most of the people at Sturgis are not from South Dakota, right? We also know that there was a lot of people, as Eric said, out celebrating that their favorite candidate won. But there's no numbers on any of the outbreaks of that, at least not being reported in the media. We had people doing protests, excuse me, got to put quotes around that, protests in in Portland. And they're burning stuff down. They're being violent, all this other kind of stuff, these mostly peaceful protests. We don't have any numbers on them. And a lot of them were not wearing any of the, the required right. masks. So the inconsistent reporting the inconsistent behavior with the people that are telling us how what we should be doing and how we should be doing it results in a lot of people saying, well, if you don't fucking care, if you're not going to take this shit seriously enough to affect the way you do your business, why the hell should I? This is a free country. If you're going to do it, that means I can do it. So for people to say that it's any political belief or a religious thing, people are stupid. They're going to say stupid things because they're trying to express something that they don't necessarily understand well enough to express appropriately. The truth of the matter is, you're seeing on the news, it's my religious right to uh, to not wear a mask because the people who are editing want that narrative rather yes. than yeah. Chris Cuomo is out partying with his friends after being diagnosed with COVID. So if he can do it, so can I. They don't want those on the news. That's why you always see the dumbest fucking people that they speak to an interview after something crazy happens. They never talk to the the more intelligent people that are there that are like, right. yeah, I don't really know. Enough <laughs> they about what's never going on do. Right, now. right. So it's the same. It's the same kind of thing. So for me, a lot of this, a lot of my frustration with what's going on, yeah, because our media is basically incompetent at this point. They're more interested in pushing, and I hesitate to use the word agenda, but a particular narrative. Yes. You know, they they think it gets them more clicks if they have Florida man on television than if they yeah. talk to someone who has average intelligence that's out there like, I don't know what happened, but, you know, shit blew up, and I'm going the other way because when shit blows up, <laughs> it could kill me, so I'm leaving, you know? They don't talk to those people. No, they never do, right. and they never have. Well, most of the time, the people that are smart avoid talking to people 
on the news. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and the, th- the thing also, too, I think is because there's Beating such a diversion. Like, in the, let me in the have news. a go at it. <laughs> <laughs> there is such there is such a diversion in the news. We've got one side that's reporting about how how the other side is doing bad stuff. And then the other side's not report anything at all about it at all. Exactly. You know, we're not. It's like, oh, yeah. nothing's happening here. No, no looking, no see. And it's like we're. It's it's hard to get a full picture. It really is. And that and is. Kirk Cameron incredible. has led. Kirk Cameron led a uh, carol of caroling with the, I don't know how many hundreds of people, all unmasked because it's Christmas. Yeah. Well, you know. I mean, <laughs> Sometimes his, his own sister stepped back issues, from that. I mean. <laughs> his mask, he, he had a mask. I just I I just quickly like looked this up here and it was just like this is this is how out of the loop I am. I actually had to just do a quick search of Kirk Cameron in the news. And he 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 did a maskless protest. Um Christmas caroling protests. And it was so why would you do that? Why? Why would? Why would? Why would you want to have the epicenter of another because COVID outbreak? Because, because he's a celebrity that doesn't make movies anymore. Oh no! Yeah. What? <laughs> Kirk Cameron oh, doesn't make movies. They're just not good. <laughs> Kirk Cameron is still making honest, movies and like TVs. He, oh, this might be a controversial statement. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I mean, this may be a controversial but you know people have been labeling kirk cameron like a little nutty for a long time see that that is but isn't that the point of having a podcast where you talk about the news you could actually talk about controversial (laughs) stuff and it was like um i mean like seriously what's what's the worst that's gonna have what that's going to happen. Are they going to unfollow me on Twitter because I, I allowed Paige to say <laughs> Kirk Cameron is a horrible actor and he's a little crazy? Is my... Most people would say, well, she may have a point. <laughs> I mean, is my is my mother going to call me up after listening to this podcast and say, Eric Charles, I cannot believe that you allowed Paige to say such deflammatory <laughs> things of my Kirk Cameron. No. Yeah. Hold on, hold on. Your mom might actually do that. <laughs> <laughs> and your father had no health insurance in 1974. <laughs> 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 okay, thanks, mom. All right, I'm 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 I surprised. Still, the meds are still working. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, I and, and here's here's the crazy thing that also I find fascinating. Whereas it's like you can have four friends do a podcast and have a heated conversation to some extent about something as like um, COVID. And it was like you nothing, nothing bad. OK, I'm not going to do anything bad to, to, to the, the three of you. We can have a conversation like this and I hope we can all remain friends. But that one of the things I wanted to ask you, the three of you, because you. Um, with the exception of my wife, you guys are the three smartest people that I've spoken to today about this topic. <laughs> is this the beginning of something new? Are we going to see more truck bombings in the near future because of people panicking over 5G rollout? I mean, 
But <laughs> we've seen copycats in the past. So I don't know. Really don't. Could there be? I, go ahead, Melissa. I think there's, I think that uh, we run the risk because it did knock out the 911 emergency system throughout a large span of area. It knocked out the mobile access for people. It stopped planes from going in and out of the airport. It did a lot of technological damage in that area. I think that it doesn't necessarily have to be 5G protest. It could be that somebody said, I see what happened here. I can replicate it in mm-hmm. somewhere else. And in doing so, I might be able to, I don't know, commit crimes while 911 is down. I might be able to do other terrorist acts while 911 is down. Right. Mm-hmm. There's something almost cartoony super villainy about it, isn't there? Like, you know, the, the stereotypical mustache twirling villain. There's something about this that kind of kind of reeks of that. And it it I don't it kind I don't I don't want to say it scares me because I'm not like scared of it, but it's it's horrifying to me that sometimes we have to downplay things in order to prevent those copycats from getting any ideas we don't want them getting. For example, when we first moved out here to Utah, there was my daughter's senior year. There was a school bombing. It wasn't successful. The, one of the bombers, his he called his girlfriend and told her not to go to school that day. And she kept pressing him on why, because there was an assembly. And what was released to the public was that, you know, there was a bomb threat. They, you know, canceled the assembly that was scheduled for that morning. There were no bombs on the premises. They arrested three kids. You know, this one guy was the ringleader of the group and he was, you know, disgruntled about some shit that happened. The actual truth of the matter that I got from uh, someone who is actually in the school system was that there were bombs in the building. They didn't want people knowing how close they came to success. They were within, I've heard anywhere from 15 to 40 minutes of the bombs going off when they were actually able to go in and get all the kids out of the school and the bomb squad went in and defused the bombs. They know where they were practicing with the bombs. They know that uh, contrary to what they reported, it wasn't the oldest member of the group that was the guy kid in charge. It was actually the youngest that was the mastermind behind everything. But because he's a juvenile, he got away from it. And the kid is like scary smart. A uh, cop I was talking to, that's familiar with the situation said that you know when they were interviewing the kid he's like i'm an, i'm a minor i'm going to go in i'll be in the system until i'm 18 this will be expunged from hidden in my records because i did this as a minor and there's nothing you guys can do about it and he's right he knew enough of the legal system yeah. and he's right so this is a kid who is probably in another cuz that was 9 years ago now He's Who probably out. He's, doing? he's probably he's, out. Oh, he is. But what is he doing now? Was he scared straight from his experience? We don't know because we never got the real story anyway. But they hid the fact that there were bombs in the school. And they were 15 to 40 minutes away from what could have been hundreds of dead kids. 
plastered all over our news. And the bombs were made with common household materials because a lot of the stuff that we have in our house, mostly cleaning agents, but not always, when combined in the right proportions, have explosive effects. And then all you need to do is cause the spark or whatever to cause the explosion to go off. Yeah, and that reminds me a lot of the Boston bombings. Right, the, uh, yeah. for the Boston Marathon bombers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's horrifying. It's horrifying. So if they're not reporting, if they didn't report that then, what are they not reporting now about these, this Christmas Day bombing there in Nashville? That's a scary thing because looking at the second news story that I have where uh, um, the AP was reporting that's, that now two other people have been stopped for suspicious behavior that's been linked to the Christmas Day Nashville 5G bombing. I, I have no idea what they're going to call this guy because you know that 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 they have to have a name for him, like like yeah. you know, like they have the name for the Zodiac killer or the Golden Gate killer, or um, you you know that they all have these crazy names to them. They're going to associate some name to this bomber. Um, yeah. The the thing that really sort of bothers me about this is that there's there's a little there's a little Turner Diary vibe to this specific bombing, and seeing somebody get a hold of a crazy conspiracy theory and go all the way with this makes me worried about our fellow conspiracy theorists. Look, I'm not going to blow up a um. I'm not going to blow up anything. I'm not going to blow up a building or a facility because of my crazy conspiracies. But I'm just wondering, are they going to try and paint with a broad brush? Whereas like just by merely talking about 5G. Right. Are are we going to get into kind of some kind of trouble, even though Jay and I and Paige and Melissa have done everything that we can to say, no, no, this this is this is this is non-science. This is unscience. Um, are, are, are conspiracy theorists going to become a target because of this character now? Oh yeah. I, I can, I think unequivocally, I can say more than likely they will. Melissa? Simply because they can. There's a reason my name's not on here. <laughs> <laughs> Smartest person on the call. <laughs> Melissa, I, I'm telling you right now, I am going to be in a wet, dark, damp basement with only one light bulb swinging back and forth from the ceiling. And, I'm, and, I, and, I, and I am going to be taking flat jacks. I'm going to have, get dosed with water. I'm going to be electrocuted because people want to know who really is Melissa from Missouri. <laughs> and then they finally crack the VPN and find out that she is actually Carl in Nebraska. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> so Paige, Jason, and I, we're basically I, But I screwed. do. I think this puts more... Oops, sorry. No, go ahead, Paige. Um, no, I just think that this does make people stereotype anyway, people that are like us and that are not afraid to talk about these conspiracy theories. And it worries me already the way people think about, oh, they're just wacky and nutty and crazy. And now it's like, 
we have an even bigger target on our back when conspiracy theorists take it too far. Well, I mean, you got to remember, we're in good company with the whole conspiracy theory thing. You know, there's a couple of other folks that were labeled as conspiracy theorists, wackos in their day, Galileo, um, Da Vinci. You know, these are people who, in their day, in their time frame, they were viewed at as viewed as being one step removed from the Antichrist. They're they're just these evil, horrible people because they were challenging the status quo, which is why I always find it amusing whenever someone tries to haul out the old saw of, you're on the wrong side of history. Really, are we? Because that's what the people in England were saying about a bunch of colonists who decided that they didn't want to pay for their damn tea. So whether we're on the right side or wrong side of history, no one can say because we don't know. Yeah. We might be. Who knows? I, I don't. I'm not going to pretend to know. I can't right. be worried about that. I, I can't right. not be worried about whether or not we're on the wrong side of history or not. But it was just like the idea that we have courage to say, I, I, look, I'm, I think we're being not lied to by the government, but I think that they are lying to us about a lot of things. One of the things that I'm going to be publishing on New Year's Day is the, um, the episode that I recorded with Paige last week talking about MK Ultra. And I know that a lot of people are going to take offense to the fact that their government literally abducted people and committed experiments on them to see if whether or not their mind control drugs worked or not. That sounds that sounds freaking crazy. And even though the New York Times did probably the best journalism that they ever did yeah. in 1974, 75, 76 about mk ultra people still believe that it's still it's only just a crazy conspiracy theory and not a conspiracy fact um, and it's on the fbi website if people are like if they don't believe it it's like it's on the fbi.gov website if you you know trust your government well at least they put it up there for you to even go read um yeah Go ahead, Melissa. I don't understand people that do not question everything. Melissa was about to say something. Oh, no, that wasn't me. Okay. You, I think there's a third Southern woman on the podcast that we don't know about. <laughs> We've got to limit how many people, how many Southern women we keep on the podcast, man. I mean, it's just getting complicated. Uh, no, but really, I I wonder about people who don't question everything. Uh, I don't know how you can go through life and just blindly trust everything that is fed to you on Fox News. Or any news for that. Yeah. Matter, to be honest. I mean, CNN, MSNBC, whatever. Um, why would you trust? I don't know. I, I guess my mind just doesn't work that way. Can I also take this conversation in a weird, strange direction? Um, we haven't yet. Even, even weirder and stranger. Have you watched the docudrama on Richard Jewell? I have not. Oh, gosh. <laughs> okay, Melissa has. <laughs> no, Melissa just remembers it. <laughs> what do you remember about Richard Jewell? I remember that <laughs> it was the uh, Olympics. In Atlanta, there was a backpack found by Richard Jewell 
who moved everybody away because it was suspicious. He was a police officer or security guard. Uh, he found it suspicious. He got everybody away. It blew up. I think there were only two people killed. Uh, I think there was a woman and then maybe a photographer, and one of them actually died of a heart attack. And, and it wasn't really the explosion. It was more of like, oh, my gosh, something exploded. Boom, I died because I had a heart attack. Uh, the police looked at him as a possible suspect, which is a valid thing to do. But it turned out it wasn't him. But when people are accused in the news or are seen as a suspect, it never, unless they find somebody else and blow that up bigger, is like, here's the person that really did it. The first person they, they announce as a person of interest is seen as the person that did it, whether they did it or not. This, mm -hmm. poor, person, this poor man was harassed. And finally, I think he killed himself. It turned out that the guy that did the bombing was actually the guy that was going around and killing abortion doctors and blowing up abortion centers. And he was being hidden by a, uh, a group of people all over the country that saw this as a crusade. And they knew what he was doing because he was doing God's work in, in stopping abortion by killing people. This rings a bell. What year did this happen? This was like in the 90s, I believe. Yeah, I, th I know I've heard about this because it's ringing all kind of bells, but... I think the the thing about Richard Jewell is that so many when so many people had jumped on the bandwagon and said that he was a per person of interest, um, Tom Brokaw was one of the first people who ran with that. They ran with the 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 narrative that Richard Jewell made this happen so that he could look like a hero, and because of Tom Brokaw's reporting on this. People still to this day believe that Richard Jewell is the one who, who created the incident that made him a hero for, for five or ten minutes. And he never really got a decent apology. I think that he actually sued specific people in the media, and I believe he won. I'm not exactly sure. But the end of the story is that people still to this day think that he that he did it, as it were. Um, this is what's really very hard for a lot of us when talking about the when talking about the media and talking about the news reporting. Like we wanted to do a podcast where we would jump on and we would talk about the story and how the media runs away with a narrative, and that because there's so many conflicting in, uh, details in, and, and misinformation that you can't help but get it wrong. May, if you're lucky, 50% of the time, only 50% of the time. Um, my great, and my greatest concern about this is, is the scapegoating. Who are they, who are they going to blame for this? And, and are there going to be more bombings like that? That's, that's my, unfortunately, that's my second concern. Are there going to be more copycat bombings? And I and I also wonder, is is this a, is this a sign of something else? Is this a sign of our society starting to unravel? Well, I mean, people were saying the same thing about like school shootings after Columbine, right? And school shootings did go up, but did they 
go up because of Columbine and they go up because of the reporting on Columbine. There's a lot of psychological studies about that. Um, I think personally, when you've got people that are hurting and they're angry about something, and even if they're conspiracy theorists or not, they're angry, they're pissed off, they feel like they have no other recourse, they're going to do desperate things. Even if the reality is different, their perception of how desperate they are is really all that counts. Like cyberbullying, you got people who are saying shit online and people get so depressed over what's being said by these nameless, faceless people that they commit suicide because they're so wrapped up in that, it doesn't occur to them to just not go online for a bit, you know? So are we going to see things like this happen? I don't know. I, I'm inclined to say we'll see something like it. As Melissa pointed out earlier, this did a lot of damage to the infrastructure. Now, if we had a functioning government, the government would look at that and say, well, you know what? Having that one area be the heart of the 911 emergency services for like a four-hour four diameter area, maybe we should break that up so that we're not as susceptible to things like that. We don't have a functioning government. We've got people, who, a bunch of children who have delusions of grandeur and like pointing fingers at each other. Um, as a result, I think we do, it, a vulnerability has been illuminated in the way our country is set up, our infrastructure is set up. And I just don't have the confidence in our government to be able to address that in any meaningful way. I don't, I, feel, I don't like saying that, but that's the truth of it. I don't have any confidence in our government. Well, what are we going to do? What options are open to us? What what can we say or do to change any of that? Yeah, and I and I think to your point of earlier when you said, are they copycatting because um, of the original act, or the, I think a lot of it is the reporting because they see that these people are getting so much attention. And a lot of these people want attention and they, uh, it, it's a lot um, like the Virginia Tech guy. He was not getting girlfriends. He was not getting attention and he knew that this would get him attention. Well, another way to look at it is how many people remember the names of the call mine victims, but how many remember the names of who did it? And that is incredibly sad. Yeah. Yeah, and that's almost in every case, too. Mm -hmm. That's... And what is, unfortunately, because everybody knows who David... Cha um, Mark David Chapman is. It's like if I say those name, that, that name, you know exactly who I'm talking about, unfortunately. You, you, he's, he's famous for this horrible thing that he did. Um. All, all, just a little more than 40 years ago, which I, which I find amazing that it's been that long. Um, so there's, so I wanted to sort of hang out with you guys for a little while longer to see if any other news would, would develop and see what would happen. But apparently um, everything that there is to say about this so far has been said. Um, I, I'm sad and I'm brokenhearted about this happening. 
to um, yeah. and a special shout out to John Pica, um, who is not going to be able to do his ghost tours in that city for quite a long time because of, of, of this event. Uh, my heart goes out to him. Does anybody have any other famous last words or is there anything else you wanted to talk about before we before we call it a, I, call it a show? I just I just found something else in the news. The Nashville bombing suspect had told an ex-girlfriend he had cancer in uh, in weeks leading up to the suicide. Um, the first question that pops into mind is, does he blame 5G for his cancer? I started to give away his possessions in the weeks before the suicide attack. It doesn't say what kind of cancer or even if he truly had cancer. Because that would be uh, information that the the news probably wouldn't be able to get without going to court. Of course, though, he's dead. His his mother probably could give the information out. It seems yeah. like she didn't have a good relationship with him. She sued him to get her house back. Yeah, that, that definitely sounds like a bit of unhappiness in the household. Well... Well, guys, thank you so much for joining me on on this on this cold, um, uh, overcast Monday to talk about this. And of course, you guys um, always bring your A game, and I, I appreciate you guys. Um, and uh, you know what? I I wonder if this is. I, I wonder if we're going to have time between now and uh, Saturday to do another like a a, a, a roundup for uh, 2020, and and talk about your favorite news stories of the year I, w- I wonder if we were going to be able to do that is that something you guys might be up for or i would <laughs> yeah, that'd be fun oh count me in all right i'll bring the coffee <laughs> okay <laughs> <laughs> yes congratulations on surviving another episode of the four chronicles radio show Find out more about The Fedora Chronicles by visiting our website, thefedorachronicles.com. That's where you can find our show notes, past episodes, and articles. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram by simply searching for us on those platforms. Don't forget to join our group on Facebook and follow us on Twitter so that you can keep up with what we will be talking about in the next episode. Facebook, Twitter, and our email address, fedorachronicle at google.com are great ways to drop us a line with your comments and show topic suggestions and if it's any good we promise we will read your comment on the air support the show by contributing to our patreon page patreon.com slash fedora chronicles for a mere dollar a month you get early access to the podcast updates on what we're doing and for five dollars a month you get all that and a t-shirt and coffee mug of your choice terms and conditions apply. Thank you to all of our listeners who are already contributing. You can also support the show and show off your incredible, impeccable taste by buying our merch at zazzle.com slash store slash Fedora Chronicles. The theme songs for the show are Royal Flush and Black Cabaret by Olive Music. All other music on the show is listed on the show page and has been provided to us by Premium Beats from Shutterstock. Copyright The Fedora Chronicles 2020, all rights reserved. On behalf of my co-host Jason and I, this is Eric Render King Fisk signing off and reminding you to keep your chins up and your fedoras on.